You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good evening, church. So good to be with you tonight. My name's Haley. I am the principal of our Elam Leadership College. And tonight we are starting a brand new series. Well, actually, Pastor Mike started it in the morning uh, called Build, based on the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is an incredible book. It tells the story of a man who heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken and in disrepair. And so he began a building project to rebuild the walls. But in the midst of it, he was not just building walls, he was rebuilding building the faith, renewing the faith of the Israelite people. And so this morning we heard from Pastor Mike about how this building project began with a prayer. Prayer set, set the breakthrough. Prayer set the miracle into motion. You need to understand today that prayer changes things. Prayer changes you. Prayer changes the people around you. Prayer changes your circumstance. The Bible tells us that the prayer of a righteous man is is powerful and effective and it avails much. I pray this morning that as you watch Pastor Mike's Word, you were inspired to pray. And listen, if you missed it, let me encourage you to watch that message because I got to tell you, it was a goodie. Today, I'm going to pray a, a talk about the types of prayer that set the miracle into motion because I hope you know today that prayer starts the breakthrough. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. It's living, it's active, it has the power to change us. Tonight we set ourselves beneath the authority of your Word. We pray that you would convict us. We pray that you would challenge us. We pray that you would mold us into a praying people. And we pray that as you do, that you would set in motion miracles. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Well, Count Zinzendorf is remembered as the rich young ruler who said yes. He lived in the 18th century and at 27 years old, he got asked by a Moravian refugee if this person could stay on his estate. Very soon, that one refugee became 300 and Count Zinzendorf was leading what was essentially trying to be a godly community. He was leading them in Bible study and in prayer, but the community itself was fractured and divided and full of bickering. But all of that was to change because on the 12th of August, 1727, the Moravians conducted an all-night prayer meeting. And this became a 24-7 prayer vigil. They had a designated place of prayer in the village and they prayed in groups of two or three for one hour increments for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Two or three people were always gathered in the place of prayer praying. Friends, this prayer meeting ran for over 100 years and the results were nothing short of incredible. Firstly, the community healed. It became the place of unity. It became the place of discipleship that Count Zinzendorf had in his heart. But more than that, out of it was birthed a bold evangelistic strategy. Within six months of this all-night prayer meeting starting, 27 of the 300 Moravians were sent full-time onto the mission field. Over the next 
uh, 15 years, over 70 missionaries were sent into full-time mission. Actually, the Moravians planted a church whilst on the mission field, which sent an additional 300 missionaries into the mission field. In fact, some historians believe that this Moravian prayer meeting birthed the modern missionary movement. So fervent and devout were these Moravians that some even sold themselves voluntarily into slavery so that those people could hear the gospel. In fact, some people say that if it were not for the selflessness of the Moravians, the Moravian denomination would be the biggest in the world today, but it couldn't be because they kept on giving their churches away to other denominations. How many people know that prayer sets miracles into motion? Prayer sets breakthroughs into motion. Prayer preempts the new season. You need to understand today that Nehemiah's prayer set his miracle, set his breakthrough into motion. And you might not know it, but prayer is a predominant feature of the book of Nehemiah. There are eight recorded prayers in this one book. But lucky for you, I'm not gonna hit all eight today. Otherwise, we'd be here for two hours and I know you need to get some sleep for work tomorrow. I'm just gonna focus on the first prayer that set the miracle into motion. And I wanna give you some examples of types of prayer that enable the breakthrough. But before I do, what I wanna do is define what prayer is. See, many people have defined prayer as communication with God. And that's good, that's a good basis. But I think the Greek definition of the word prayer is helpful for us tonight. See, Greek was the language that most of the New Testament is written in. It's the first language that the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures were translated into in their entirety. And the Greek word for prayer means this. It means to invoke a deity, to call on the divine. This is what prayer is. Prayer is to call upon the name of the Lord. And I think this definition of prayer is helpful to us because it is innately broad. Friend, you need to know today that prayer cannot be defined by a formula. Prayer cannot be limited by a tradition. Prayer cannot be bound by a certain type of form because all prayer is, is to call upon the name of the Lord. So you can do that with your voice or you can do that with your silence. You can do that with your song. You can do that with your journal entry because all it is, is to call on the name of the Lord. You need to understand today that prayer is less about what you do and more about who you do it to. It's less about your action and more about your direction. It is broader than you think it is. And because of that, friend, you can blow off your insecurities about praying the right words or saying the right things because all prayer is, is God's people calling upon His name. See, this broad definition also shows us why when you read the biblical narrative, there are so many different types and forms of prayer. Sometimes prayer is a supplication. It's a request. Sometimes it's the reciting of God's Word. Sometimes it's lament. Sometimes it's waiting on God. Sometimes it's warfare prayer. And the reason that you find such a vast array of types and forms is because all prayer is, is God's people calling upon His name. 
See, within this first uh, prayer of Nehemiah alone, there are numerous types and forms of prayer represented. In fact, you could argue more than I have time to cover in this message. I showed some self-control when I wrote this. You were lucky. But I want to select and teach from as many as I can because I want to give you examples when you go into the prayer closet, examples of types of prayers you could pray, types of ways you could cry out to the Lord your God to set miracles and breakthroughs into motion. And so let's read the text together. Nehemiah 1 verse 4 to 11. It's a big chunk, but I believe in you, church. It says, when I heard these things about the Jerusalem wall being in disrepair, it says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah speaking. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear, that's the Hebrew word Shema, I'll talk about that later, to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And so remember, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. That's the temple at Jerusalem. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand. That's a reference to the Exodus event. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. And then he tells us who this man is when he says, I was cupbearer to the king. Here we go. From the first prayer that Nehemiah prayed, here are some prayers that set breakthroughs into motion. Firstly, prayer that weeps and waits. And I bet you're saying, Haley, couldn't we have started with a positive one? We'll blame the text. I'm just following the text, okay? This is what it says. See, it would be easy for us to think that Nehemiah's prayer began with his speech. It says, then I said. It would be easy for us to think that his prayer began with what was quoted. But actually, Nehemiah's prayer didn't begin with what he said. Friend, it began by what he didn't say. This is what it says in verse 4. When I heard these things, come on somebody, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And in fact, this time of mourning, weeping, fasting and praying, friends, this represents the bulk of his prayer. 
It says that for days he sat and processed his pain before the Lord. This wasn't an addition to his prayer life. This formed the foundation and the basis of his prayer life. And I would go as far to say that it formed his basis of his identity before the Lord. Because Nehemiah's name actually means God comforts. Nehemiah spent days processing his pain before the Lord before he uttered a single word. Can I just say today that if you have not spent time weeping and waiting before the Lord, you have scarcely scratched the surface of what your prayer life could be. See, before I use that word process, I said that Nehemiah processed his pain before the Lord. And I use that word very intentionally because it's a bit of a buzzword these days, isn't it? We talk about how we process information or we process trauma or we process pain or we process bad news. And it is an important way that we work through the hard stuff in order to find healing. But friend, you need to understand today that it is a new word for an old biblical concept. If you open the pages of Scripture, you will find example after example of God's people processing their pain before the Lord. There's so many examples that there's a whole biblical genre named after it. They called it lament. Did you know today that the book of Psalms has more Psalms of lament than it does of joy and thanksgiving? There's a whole book entitled Lamentation. When Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, processed his pain of the exile and sack of Jerusalem before the Lord, you need to understand today that God's people know how to process their pain before the Lord. We don't shrink back from pain. We're not afraid of pain. We willfully bring our pain before the Lord because we trust that He is the one who can handle it. Friend, you need to know today that you need to learn in your prayer life to weep and wait because sometimes weeping and waiting is the thing that sets into motion your healing. Let me say that again. For some of you, your healing is on the other side of you processing your pain before the Lord. Learn to weep and wait. It's the first type of prayer that sets miracles in motion. The second type of prayer is this, prayer that declares. See, after Nehemiah weeps and waits, verse five emphatically states, then I said. And as much power as there is in weeping and waiting, I would be underselling declaration if I didn't say that there was similar power in this form as well. You need to realize today that we serve a God who spoke the world into motion who declared, let there be light, come on somebody, and there was light, who said to the land, let vegetation be produced, and it did, who said to the water, team with living creatures, and it did. Never forget that we serve a God whose declaration preceded creation, but more than that, let us never forget that we serve a Saviour who spoke to the lame man and said, get up and walk, and he stood up and walked. Let us never forget that we serve a Saviour who spoke to blind Bartimaeus and said, let your eyes be healed, and they were. Let us never forget that we serve a Saviour who hung on a cross and said, it is finished, and then rose again, defeating death and hell and the grave. Friend, let us not forget that we serve a God whose declaration preceded creation and who at times used declaration to precede recreation. 
Declared prayer has power. Now, I don't want you to push this too far. Not everything that you name, you can claim. This is not a formula that what I declare, I receive. Friend, if you get up tomorrow morning and you say, for the next three weeks, I will declare, I will have a Ferrari, I will have a Ferrari, I will have a Ferrari. It does not mean that you will have a Ferrari. Prayers of declaration that set miracles in motion don't just happen when you declare whatever you want. It's when you declare with your word what aligns with His word. That's the type of declared prayer that sets miracles in motion. Prayer that declares. Thirdly today, prayer that worships. Nehemiah starts his declared prayer with worship. In verse five, he calls on the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and the awesome God. Let me tell you why prayer that worships is powerful. Let me tell you why it's powerful that we start every service with praise and worship. Let me tell you why it's important that in your home, you stand to your feet and lift your voice and declare the praises of God. It's because worship realigns your perspective with heaven's perspective. See, when Jesus taught us to pray, He said, pray like this. He says, pray, our Father in heaven, honoured be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the model that Jesus gave us to pray, get this, was not earth up, it was heaven down. In other words, I don't start with my struggle, I start with heaven's victory. I don't start with my sickness, I start with heaven's healing. I don't start with my lack, I start with heaven's abundance because I'm not praying earth up. Come on somebody, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I'm praying heaven down. See, this is why worship is so powerful because when you fill your mouth with the praises of God, God, you are supreme, you are mighty. Come on, in your house, you are magnificent, you are above all, you are the alpha the omega, the beginning and end, when you fill your mouth with God's praises, suddenly I come out of partnership with fear and into partnership with faith. Let me tell you how you get heaven's perspective. You worship the King of heaven. Put praise in your mouth. Let's pray heaven down. Prayer that worships. Number four, prayer that confesses. I'm gonna read out this passage because it's quite powerful. In verse six and seven, Nehemiah prays, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Now, I wanna give some context to Nehemiah's confession. He is an Israelite who lives in a place called Susa. Now, Susa was the winter resort of the Persian kings. And Nehemiah has a pretty cushy position. He's cupbearer to the king. And actually, some historians believe that one of the functions of the cupbearer was to be the chief financial officer. Some say that uh, the cupbearer bore the king's signet ring, which was the symbol of his authority. The cupbearer was the one who would taste the wine before the king drank it to ensure it wasn't poison. And because of that, the cupbearer often stood between life and death for the king and so very often was a close confidant of the king. Man, how did an Israelite exile get such a cushy position in the Persian court? Well, the backstory is this, that Babylon, the 
Empire of Persia, they overtake Jerusalem, they bring exiles back to Persia, Persia, and then after that, God, according to his promise, brings the Israelites back to Jerusalem, but only a remnant go. A hundred years after this remnant return is where the action of Nehemiah takes place. Get this, a remnant have already returned a hundred years ago to Jerusalem, and yet the walls of God's city still lie in tatters whilst Nehemiah is holding up a cushy position in the Persian government. Friend, Nehemiah is not repenting for something he did. He's repenting for that which he didn't do. He's repenting for his apathy for the fact that he didn't steward his position as a person of God like it was a holy thing. He's repenting of not going back to rebuild the walls. And I felt for a word for someone, friend, the repentance starts not with what you did, but what right now you are choosing not to do. May we not be a people who are branded with apathy, but a people who are branded by action and furthering God's kingdom. So prayer that sets miracles into motion is prayer that confesses. And finally, prayer that sets miracles in motion is prayer that remembers the Word of God. Prayer that remembers the Word of God. Three times in this prayer, in verse 5, verse 8, and in verse 10, Nehemiah references the Scriptures. In verse 5, he talks about how Israel are God's covenant people. In verse 8, he talks about the instructions given to Moses in the book of the law. And in verse 10, he talks about God redeeming his people by his great strength and mighty hand, which is an allusion to where God freed them from slavery in Egypt through the Exodus event. In fact, references to Scripture make up the bulk of this prayer. Let me tell you why that's important. In 1 John 5.14, it says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we, uh, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now you need to understand that in Hebrew world view, hear and respond are essentially the same thing. When that word is applied to God's people, that word hear, which is the Hebrew word shema, it means both hear and obey. There is not a different word for obedience in the Hebrew language. Hearing is synonymous with obeying. And so the fruit that you heard is your obedience. But if there is no obedience, you didn't hear properly because hear and obey in the Hebrew mind are two sides of the same coin. Now let's apply that to God. If we say that God hears us, it means that in the same breath that He hears, He will respond because the hearing and the response are two sides of the same coin. That's why this text is so powerful. It says that anything that we ask in accordance to His will, He doesn't just hear, He doesn't just drop an ear down, He's not just listening, He's going to hear and respond. And so it becomes very important for us to know how do we pray in accordance with His will? Well, the answer is simple. Pray His Word. Because God's Word always accords with God's will. In fact, I would go as far to say this, that God's word is the vehicle through which God fulfills his will. 
God's promises are the vehicles on which He fulfills His will. And so if you want to pray in accordance with God's will, it's pretty simple. Know the Word and pray the Word because His Word will always accord with His will. Pray the Scriptures, pray the Word, and you'll set miracles in motion. Come on, Sammy, you can join me on the keys. Prayer sets the miracle into motion. Prayer sets the breakthrough in motion. Calling on the name of the Lord, friend, hear me, is the platform on which your new season is built. So friend, will you pray? That's the challenge. Will you pray? As a church, we are going into 21 days of prayer. And I'm believing actually that for us, this is a holy moment because we know that declaration so often precedes recreation. We know that to pray His Word is to pray in accordance with His will. And when we do that, He hears and responds. So friend, would we as a church pray together? Because I believe the new season, the new breakthrough and the new miracle is built not just on one or two praying, but us as a collective saying enough is enough. If we go, we're going together. And so would you join us on this journey of prayer? And the reason I'm passionate about it, the reason that I believe that prayer is an avenue to recreation in you is because friend, you need to understand I've lived it. You know, for years I was stuck in in an anxious thought cycle. For two or three years, it defined my life. And if I'm honest, uh, you know, I It was never far from my thoughts. I managed it, but I wasn't overcoming it. I was managing it well enough to, you know, do my job okay and still have friends, praise the Lord, but I was never overcoming it. Until one day, I'm telling you right now, I sat in church and the preacher preached on the power of declared prayer. And I heard clearly the voice of the Lord say to me, Haley, for the next week, set your alarm for 6 a.m for an hour from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I want you to get up and all I want you to do is out loud declare the promises of God, the Word of God over your life. And so the next morning I did it. I set my alarm. I sat in a prayer closet feeling kind of silly as out loud I declared that God had not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. As I began to declare that the wounds of my mind were healed by His stripes. As I began to declare that the weapons of God are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And listen, I got to tell you today that a week turned into weeks and weeks turned into months and months turned into years as God began to do a work of healing in my life. Declaration turned to weeping and waiting. Weeping and waiting turned to confession and repentance. Repentance turned to worship and all the way back to declaration again. And can I tell you that to this day, to this day, I declare the promises of God over my life out loud with this tongue every morning. And friends, I don't want to make what God spoke to me to be law unto you. But I do wanna say this, some of you, your takeaway from this message is that you will right now get on your phone and set your alarm for 6 a.m. Because as the new dawn rises tomorrow, and as God's mercy is new, you will begin to declare the truth of God's Word over a mind that is mired in deception. And as you do so, friends, you will set your miracle in motion.
And actually, I wanted to start you off right now. So let me declare some of God's truth over you because you are a child of God. You are loved. You are protected. You are blessed. You are created for a plan and the purpose. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are never, ever alone. You are fully and completely known by the lover of your soul. And friend, hear me. You are more than a conqueror. And I pray that as we do this together, that this church would arise in prayer like never before and breakthroughs and miracles and new seasons will be set in motion because we serve a God who is faithful to hear and respond. Let's pray. Right now in the name of Jesus, we as your people humbly come. We repent of times that we have failed to call upon the name of the Lord, but right now we declare a new season. May the new season arise. May the new breakthrough come round the corner. May the miracle be set in motion as God's people who are called by His name begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And so together we call upon the Alpha and the Omega. We call upon the resurrection and the life. We declare that You are a good God. And we choose to praise and to pray and to worship. And we believe that as we do, miracles are set in motion. Prayer begins with a relationship with God. And friend, perhaps you're here today and you've never called upon the name of the Lord. Well, I have good news for you. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. Because the reality is this, wherever you're from, Whatever your background, whatever you know or don't know, however you were raised, you were created for life. You were created for purpose. You were created for peace more than anything. You were created for a relationship with God. And you might be saying, well, Haley, I don't have that. Why? Well, the Bible talks about this thing called sin. Sin is our decision to go our own way and it separates us from God. But God loved us too much to leave us where we were. And so He sent His Son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin. He was perfect, never did anything wrong, but it says that He became sin. He wore the penalty of our sin so that we could have the peace, the life, the relationship with God that we were created to have. All we need to do is call upon His name, turn to Him, repent of our way and make Him Lord and Saviour of our life. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this. I'm going to pray a prayer and in your home, in your car, in the room you're sitting in, wherever you I want you to repeat this prayer in your heart with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I give my life to you, holding nothing back. I turn from sin. I follow you. Thanks to you, I'm free. In Jesus' name, amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer, there's one more step we want you to do. 
There's a button coming up on the church online platform. It says, raise your hand. Friend, this is your next step. Christianity is not a journey you do alone. It's one you do in community. And that button is the avenue for us to connect with you. So right now, hit that button. If you made that decision for the first time, or maybe you made it for the second or third time, hit that button again. Say, I receive Jesus today. Or if you're in a watch party, let me encourage you, get that elbow out and poke the person next to you. Say, I committed my life to Jesus today. And I need to tell someone about it. We are celebrating you. We got one hand up. God bless you for that hand. We are celebrating you today. God bless you, church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.